Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to our latest patron, Carl Jakeman. Great to have you on board, my friend, uh, supporting us directly. You can join him and indeed all of our patrons. Get our full-length ad-free show, our exclusive weekly sister show, Extra Message, and a whole lot more. Can't promise massages, but I'm not ruling it out either uh, by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Now, in this episode... Before we started recording, and this goes out to uh, some of our, our patrons and anyone who listens live, I think we had one of our most extensive non-tech-based discussions <laughs> ever. It will be Top- in the uncut, I guess, will it? It's the version, yes. For anyone who gets our as live uh, version, it goes out in there. There is some uh, petitioning for that section to go out as an extra message uh, this week, so who knows? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's focused enough to be an extra message. It's fine if people really want to listen to us talking for uh, 27 minutes about things that are not related very true but if you have a view on fake meat whether it's right or not to be a cannibal and what sofa um should be bought then it's worth a listen uh, but i did want to cut to something briefly um in that uh Stephen wrote in to ask uh he said I hope Ian is staying with the pod. Congratulations to Ian on the T3.com role, my favorite magazine, by the way. I hope he's staying with the podcast. Now, this came up briefly last week because you were not here and also suddenly newly employed. Um, <laughs> would you like to just confirm what I hypothesized, that you are not leaving the show but do have a very interesting new job? Yes. I, I'm. In fact, if anything, I would say it puts me in a better position to do this show than uh, previously, where I was in an unconnected industry. Uh, <laughs> now I'm back in tech, thank goodness, uh, and and lifestyle, and I, I am now more able to comment on these matters as it will be my job to be informed upon them. So thank you very much, Stephen. That's extremely kind of you. I'm glad you like T3. Um, wonderful to hear those words. I'm, I'm extremely touched. And yes, I'm sticking around unless Nate fires me, which is possible. It's very unlikely though, mate. Uh, we didn't... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, Ian is a uh, new editor of T3.com, which is very exciting for him. Uh, brings us more stories to choose from, which is no bad thing, particularly during slow news weeks. But that hasn't been the case this week. And I think it's time that we don our speedos and jump into the Paul, the Paul, the pool of news. Facebook launched its dedicated news product in the UK this week, the first venture for the service outside the US, where it rolled out initially over a year ago. In short, it's a bit, I think, like Google News in that it shows headlines and snippets and stuff from news from a whole bunch of major and local outlets, which upon clicking them loads either the publication's website within the in-app browser, or if the publisher uses Facebook's instant articles tech, it'll load in Facebook's super fast uh, read of you. Now, there are loads of reasons why this is significant, and uh, it's worth us going through some of them in detail, I think, to inform the discussion. Uh, firstly, though, uh, Facebook obviously really wants to keep you reading news on its platform. So, 
creating a competing service uh, to something like Apple News or Google News or even I think Twitter to a you know to a certain extent is a way to do that. Uh, it's significant I think as well that articles load within the Facebook app. They're not using an external web browser. In fact, it doesn't even work with browsers. You, you, it explicitly says you have to use the app. I assume because data collection, um, but that, but that rules out publishers uh, getting that data from their own apps at least. But anyway. That's fair enough because it's convenient and in most instances Facebook still loading the articles it links to in a browser means that publishers are still able to display their ads and promote their subscription service and so on. So uh, in many ways it's a green tick for Facebook compared to ways it could have done this. But then there's some murkier stuff in my opinion. A lot of Facebook's public relations push uh, over the last week and really over the last year or so since this has been a thing in other countries, uh, well the US really, uh, it's, it's focused on the fact that it's going to pay publishers for using these these news snippets, the, the headlines and, and summaries and things, which in Europe and actually more recently Australia is especially important given some of the regulatory scrutiny about how companies like Facebook and Google are scraping key details of news stories like the headline in the lead and maybe a thumbnail, uh, meaning that a lot of people don't need to visit those sites in order to get that, that quick fix overview summary uh, of news. And Facebook saying it's got publishers on its side by showing off um, that these publishers have actually signed up and in some instances are going to get paid for it too. Plus, they're still getting traffic to their websites. And all of this, as far as my research goes, is is true. Um, Facebook also, of course, is very, very keen to avoid uh, or rather maybe reduce accusations that on one hand it's killing news outlets by hosting snippets of their content and then hosting the conversations about that content from their users and taking the lion's share of sh constantly shrinking advertising budgets from companies uh, who previously may have bought ad spots on those news outlets who created the content in the first place and on the other hand uh, it wants to avoid or reduce accusations that it's largely unchecked spreading of news and myths and disinformation contributes in no small part to election interference and other world important world events so i looked at the requirements for publishers who want to sign up to this and any large outlet uh, or even small outlet can sign up to this and essentially the process begins with the outlet submitting their site for uh, for possible inclusion they've got to prove that they're a real business they've got to uh, have existed for at least 90 days um, and they've got to agree to comply to Facebook's uh, attested standards and, and guidelines. In fact, it specifically states, I, I, I clipped this bit, the news page index does not accept applications from pages dedicated to individual journalists. Applicants content should reflect the judgment of a multi-person editorial staff. So this, I think, is to make sure that only platforms that can at least prove that they have some level of credibility as a news gathering source can join this platform. You can't be a, uh, an automated uh, news scraper that's quickly uh, quickly launched to capitalize on a, a breaking news event and quickly spread some information very, very fast. This is designed uh, away from that. And that's one of the ways that I think this approach is at least different from some of the ways that we've seen co uh, news on Facebook before. But then also I found a campaign uh, magazine article from I think it was from last year, it might have been around October or certainly last year anyway, that said Facebook News is curated uh, in part by a team of human editors. Now that's similar to how Apple operates it, its news app, the Apple News app for iPhone and iPad users um, and Macs and, and stuff. And that that personalized 
uh, is then further personalized based on user behavior so it can improve your interests uh, in things that maybe human editors have approved and selected. So again, all of this broadly looking good as far as efforts go to say, look, we're helping, not harming. And it looks better to me in many ways than Google News. Uh, and there is an increased focus apparently on local news in Britain, uh, which could help regional publications compete with nationals and internationals. And if this sounds like I'm uncharacteristically praising Facebook, don't worry, I still don't like it. Uh, in fact, I've always liked one of Alan Partridge's guides uh, to life, Ian, which is, if I ever need advice, I ask a Baptist and then do the opposite. Uh, <laughs> my version is less offensive, but it's essentially listen to what Mark Zuckerberg says and then assume the opposite better reflects reality. Uh, yeah, I, I, would, uh, I would agree with you there. Which in this instance, and with Facebook's track record of launching things that excite desperate news outlets with promises of salvation only to get bored of it and pull the rug from under them leads me to conclude that this is a moderately well-veiled attempt to curry favor with large publishers whose complaints would be loud enough to hold sway with angry regulators but just enough to keep those regulators from looking into whether the company does more home harm than good overall to smaller outlets um and who uh, per a story i see or saw in the wall street journal last year uh, don't appear to be significant if uh, extant uh, financial beneficiaries of any of these things on the first place but on the plus side facebook's users will probably like the experience and there's some money at least going from facebook's bank to a news outlet's bank is that a bad thing these days i guess not but they are the facts marginally colored by my opinion um but ian <laughs> I, I thought you might like to get a word in edway a uh, word in edgeways here uh no that's fine no i'm only joking i just thought after all that it'd be quite funny if i said absolutely nothing on the subject um i um obviously don't trust facebook even in the slightest uh i i, I know that's probably uh slightly unfair of me but then this is an opinion it's not i'm not pretending that um i have all the facts on it but i i, I like you nay i i took myself off facebook some time ago and i've i've not really looked back um, and and it's partly this. It's um, I, it worries me greatly. Facebook is well known for harboring uh, people with opinions that not only don't match my opinions because obviously it's fine to have different opinions, but are also outright dangerous in a lot of ways. Uh, Anti-vaxxers, particularly, being a, a a prescient example, I would say. Um, and I, I'm sure the news operation will be fine, but it, again, it it feels to me. Uh, very much like Facebook is going to make a call on this. Obviously, like you said, it's a curated feed, as Apple News is, um, which I, I think suggests to me that uh, the smaller publications will struggle. It's going to be dominated, uh, as my Apple News tends to be, uh, and I don't have a, a Plus subscription, um, uh, but it is dominated by, uh, you know, the tabloids and the broadsheet newspapers uh, you'll, you'll, and some, some high-end magazines you'll often see in there. Um, so I don't, I don't see that Facebook necessarily is going to be that different. Now, I suppose if we were going to be positive about it, Facebook has a tremendous amount of data about you. There's no, there's no denying that. So if anyone is going to offer you a curated news feed that very not closely matches your interests, uh, and let's be honest, if you let Facebook have its way with you and don't, um, you know, restrict it in any way, shape or form, it will know literally every news article you've ever read because there will be a Facebook 
button on every news story and that will be a way of tracking you back to Facebook. So realistically, that company probably knows every single news article you've ever read, every magazine feature you've looked at. So they probably are in a good position to give you a customized news feed. Whether or not you want to buy into that from a company that does know everything about you in that manner, I think uh, might be worth thinking about. But it's not going to do anyone any harm if it provides good news. It might give a good boost to traffic. Um, now, I mean, you know, I mean, this. I don't know how much you feel this, Nate, but certainly in in the you know at T three, I a lot lot of my time is spent thinking about how how best to appear in Google News. You know, you know, we we live and die based on whether or not Google decides to put us in a page. So we have to be cognizant of that. Um, it would be a, I'm sure it would be a wonderful gift for every journalist in the country if they no longer have to give a, give a single thought to, uh, you know, SEO and the optimization of their words in a way that pleases Google. But at the same time, I, I, I actually don't have huge complaints with Google. I think what it does is generally quite magnificent. It's quite hard to literally scour the internet as soon as everything is published and display it. And it does a pretty good job of that. And I would say I trust Google slightly more than Facebook in this regard. Like, I, I feel Google is better at presenting news from any site without any sort of interference. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't particularly care that Facebook's doing this. I mean, I'd be fascinated to know what money's in it for publishers because well, publishers like, depending are struggling. On, yes, and depending on where you, you, you source this, um, it, the numbers do vary. But some publishers um it's been reported it it can hit in in several millions right um um so there there is potentially a lot of a lot of money here but again it's a drop in the ocean financially for a company like facebook which makes billions and billions of dollars a quarter um and and could arguably probably pay more than it is doing uh, and publish and a lot of publishers are desperate um, so you've yeah. got to factor in that if 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 a company with the significance of Facebook or Google or Apple or uh, any company that has a platform comes to you and says, hey, how would you like some more money for something you're already doing? To many, that is a very difficult offer to turn down, even if long term you might be tying yourselves into something that harms you. But we don't know that that's the case here from a local news perspective there's potential for it to to be beneficial if you are a local outlet uh you know a regional publication which there are still many but they are some of the hardest hit in the in the journalistic world uh, by financial problems then um then if this is a way of you getting more visibility and reaching people who are actually in your local area and you're being paid for it and you're still getting the traffic then in principle that could be a very good thing and that's why i'm not wholesale dismissing this no. it's just you have to and i think it is wise for any big company but facebook in particular and google to almost the same extent it's wise to assume that things are never as rosy mm -hmm. or as um uh altruistic as the company wants you to believe because there is so much at stake for them and historically, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that this doesn't always go the right way for people who aren't Facebook.
Um, no. And, and we used to, you know, like in the publishing industry, we used to see a lot of referral traffic from Facebook, um, people sharing articles, etc. That has taken a what I would describe as a dramatic drop off. I don't know why that is exactly. I don't know whether people are just not sharing stuff on Facebook anymore or if um, I've just been in places where there haven't been a big enough Facebook following. But from my experience, I, I don't think Facebook has been pushing articles from groups. So say, for example, you know, like when I worked at The Mirror, if you published a story on The Mirror's Facebook page, if it was the main account, it would get a lot of traffic. If it was the tech one, it had fewer, fewer followers and it probably wouldn't get much benefit but like you have to sort of wonder what how has that changed because it has changed well one of the ways that facebook changed it is by explicitly saying we are going to show less news in your feed and more stuff about your friends and family yeah and a lot of publishers i think i notably remember slate i think it was publishing a chart that showed just how destructive that can be on referrals but if you were a publisher and i don't know if slate was in this instance if you were a publisher that had bought into facebook's erstwhile promise um to get your stories and content in front of more people um and then you changed your business model or you redesigned your website or you tied into facebook's instant articles or whatever it was that you needed to do at the time in order to be a part of that and then facebook says actually you know what uh, we've had a change of heart or we're struggling a bit with this spread of news. So we're just going to deprioritize news and we're going to put more friends and family in instantly. It's like when Google changes its algorithm. If you've gamed or worked with an SEO company to get the top spot for a referral to your business and then Google changes the algorithm overnight. Uh, I mean, at least Facebook tells you it's going to do that. Facebook doesn't. Uh, Google doesn't. It just changes the algorithm and suddenly all the world's marketeers are like, sugar plum fairies what do we do now but then obviously make a lot of money off telling people what to do then but the point is publishers tend to be the ones who suffer in the first instance well i will um, say this now actually on the google thing it is interesting and there and you can look at it a number of ways but actually google google ten google's game and i'm not someone who defends google very often it seems to be more about making sure that people struggle to game the system it wants to find things that are good that are legitimately good and and so the algorithm tweaks are supposed to be a way of managing that so where you know it used to be that top 10 lists were would go go great guns on google i think that people started to gain those and just turn them into lists of affiliate links and that doesn't give the reader any value so google went right well, we'll tweak that so that you know and then and on the flip side what i'm thinking about facebook is i'm thinking they're going to run this for a while they're going to it's going to cost them a billion quid and they're going to go hmm wouldn't it be easier if we just got the publishers to pay to be on this platform and then they can have the traffic and the um, the ad revenue and the affiliate clicks and all that kind of stuff? But what, why would we provide this service for free? And then they'll do that. <laughs> I could see it happening. It hasn't happened, and but it, it could happen. And I don't think it would surprise anyone if something like that happened. Um, but I, think, I it's, think it's a good idea to give publishers money. that with Journalism is really struggling it's not right that it's struggling that you know we're, we're, we're trying to do a service for people we're trying to make it so that people can make decisions on things uh you know is brexit a good idea or is brexit a bad idea you know is a vaccine a good thing or a bad thing you know that's the point of journalism is supposed to help people understand things that are too complicated for anyone to research themselves um and of course which tv to buy 
But, uh, you know, it's like, yes, it, we can't do that if there's no money and people aren't buying magazines and they aren't buying newspapers and they're not mostly subscribing to things online. So we do need money. And I think that, you know, if Facebook can do a good job of it, then it should be a good thing. And I will give them the credit they deserve in that regard. It's definitely worth us saying just for disclosure, even though it's obvious that we're talking about this as two professional yeah. journalists who work for big outlets. So we are very aware of our inherent bias here, but also we're not talking about it from our employer's perspective. No. These are our, our own, our own and views. I believe that future isn't on it. So therefore, yes. And I have no idea if Bloomberg's on it, but um, but that's it's kind of irrelevant because it doesn't matter where we write professionally, that the the opinions are going to be the same. But um, but take that with a pinch of salt, uh, for what it is worth. Um, if you have a view on this, um, if you've used this already in the UK and uh, and the US, let us know your experiences. Typically, this is the sort of thing that gets rolled out across Europe before too long, and I believe. France in and Germany, certainly Germany, uh, Facebook is in conversations with publishers there to launch it. So expect it to come to your country before too long. And any opinions you have in the meantime, send them to hello at uktechshow.com. Apparent, Ian, that the contactless spending limit on debit cards and credit cards in Britain uh, is just not high enough. So, <laughs> the Financial Conduct Authority, our local regulator, is talking about raising it uh, and not by a small amount. In fact, it's talking about more than doubling it to a hundred pounds. And this is less than a year, in fact, after it raised it to forty-five pounds from. 30 uh, as a way of helping reduce the need for people to carry cash or type in uh, pins during the pandemic. Um, the BBC reported this. I mean, a lot of people re reported this that I saw, but they, they included a, a quote from the Financial Conduct Authority um, that said, it is important that payment regulation keeps pace with consumer and merchant expectations recognizing changing behavior in how people pay is part of a wider consultation we will shortly be seeking views on amending our rules to allow for a possible increase in the contactless limit to 100 pounds there was also a dissenting voice in this bbc story from a gentleman called andrew cregan who is a payments policy advisor at the british retail consortium who said quote we have concerns about raising the contactless limit with losses from incomplete contactless payments at self-checkouts currently costing retailers millions in lost revenue. So a couple of things to um, to address here. Um, my quick opinion before I turn to you, Ian, is that I'm not wholly in favour of this um, in the way that uh, simply because I think it is too easy for people to have their card taken and used for bigger purchases that could have a more immediately negative impact on their bank balances if they are living 
hand-to-mouth and don't have a great deal of savings in a current account, even if that you're going to get your money back. Like That could be quite difficult. Whereas doing something with Samsung Pay or Apple Pay or Google Pay, those con those limits are, I mean, in many instances, that the limits are in the thousands. You can buy a laptop with a watch, for instance, but, the, but there is already a layer of biometric authentication there in that you have to use the thumbprint or facial ID on your on your device in order to make that contactless payment. Well, not on the watch you don't. Well, you do because you have to at least have the pin put in well, when yes. you first put it on. Um, but, the, but the point is there's another layer of safety there which doesn't exist for contactless. Uh, but but, um, but, but what's your, what is your view? Um, I th well, I think it's generally a good thing. I, I, I noticed when I was uh, at Waitrose the other day, you can pay on Apple Pay up to £10,000 in Waitrose. Now, first of all, I'd like to know who spends £10,000 in Waitrose. That seems ludicrous. Uh, Have you seen the price of avocado and hummus <laughs> during well, the pandemic, this, Morris? This is why this is why the um, the millennials are struggling to buy houses, isn't it? Because of all their smashed avocado toast. If we're to be to believe the uh, the national media, um, so yes, I think I, I generally think that upping the limit is a good convenience move. Uh, obviously, like you, I, I have similar concerns in that you know if your card is stolen, then it can be used in that way. Um, but also, it's this is like the last gasp for cards, surely, isn't it? I mean, it's so much easier to pay on a phone as a rule and much more secure. And and yeah, I, and it's it just feels more convenient to me. But there is a there is a, a socioeconomic issue here, which is not everybody has a phone. Um, some people are elderly, yeah, um, or in other way in other ways uh, enable ineligible uh somehow to to use a phone um so there is a need for cards but you are right that card usage is rapidly changing in the uk contactless actually accounts for just under half of all card transactions in the uk now and that is with the limit being 45 pounds per transaction let alone what it would be if it went up to 100 but interesting i did see figures that are, that the proportion of contactless payments has fallen slightly compared with pre-pandemic levels largely because people aren't using them to buy 44 pound 99 rounds of beer in pubs uh, or on restaurants or public transport but that will that number will almost certainly creep back up once people are actually able to go out uh, but even still it's close to half of all payments in the uk are made with contactless cards um i mean what what about if, if we're thinking about it the wrong way in terms of the future for cards like what why doesn't um why doesn't someone offer something that is like a digital card i mean we've, we have seen it before like barclays had that awful bpay service that i think has gone away now and, and there have been other people attempting to do essentially a a card on something else but like you know, why why not have uh, something like a, a a you know a little digital card that you can use that's got well, Google because, Pay? Well, because mate, I think you've answered your own your own point. Is that those sorts of things require some kind of proprietary intervention, and people don't well, like that. Well, not if it was Google Pay or Apple Pay. But in that case, you are essentially already in some way going to have to be tied into a mobile ecosystem. In which yeah. case, you've probably got a phone. I think the reason debit cards work is they are very convenient. They're incredibly cheap. Everyone knows how to use them. Um, the alternative is a mobile phone, like having a, something in the middle 
I, I, I or assume. cash. The, alter- the other alternative is cash. Because the people ca- you're talking about... Sucks. Yes, but the people you're talking about, the people who, who don't have um, mobile phones that are capable or, or, or people who aren't interested, um, they, they may also be the people who, who operate largely on cash. So, you know, that is an alternative to payment with a card. Um, and I, I think you, you could actually make the argument the same way. Like, it, it, yeah, sure, someone could have their card stolen, but they could also have their cash stolen. So really having a card, it's not much more of a risk than having cash. And at least a £100 cap is better than nothing. And also, it, it is potentially recoverable if your card was stolen. Well, let, uh, so let me pose that to you then. Because if you were to have your card stolen and yeah. somebody takes it to a bank and you report it, you get your money back. Yeah. If you lose, if you get mugged and someone steals your cash, you can't go to your bank and say, I was no. just mugged. Can I have my 50 pounds that you just took, gave me through the ATM back? Yeah. So, so cash is worse. Also, cash is really expensive. It's so ironic, isn't it? Cash is actually more expensive to handle and manage yeah. than than not having cash. And there's a like, pandemic on. So therefore, you, you know, cash brings with it some extra risks. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. I think, Ian, it is time that we invite another member of the text message family of individuals to don their own Speedos and dive into the news pool with us. And while in there, splashing around like an artful fish, struggling for survival, let's listen to what's been happening in the wider world of tech with Tom Merritt this week. This week on Daily Tech News Show, game stonk, but also... Why the WWE found a new streaming home on Peacock. Annalie Newitz helps us understand what Pompeii can teach us about tech migrations. Why Google killing off Tilt Brush might be a good thing this time. Why the first Facebook oversight board decisions impressed Justin Robert Young. And robots to clean our sewers. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Nice. You see, no crossover. No, I know. Both shows and you will not get crossover they're complimentary. I do, I do, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to talk about Game Stonk and the Stonks, but, you know, it, it is fascinating watching it. Have you enjoyed uh, seeing the stock go up and down in the last week on your fancy Bloomberg terminal? I've just really enjoyed the use of the word stonk, because when I hear the word stonk, I think of the uh, the Stonk song, the, the Red Nose Day oh, song yes. from 1990, Hail and Pace. I will say that... Um, it, or getting a stonk on, <laughs> which in Britain has a very different connotation. Right, I think that's uh, that'll do it for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, patrons. We've had um, a super, super fun live chat room, uh, as we always do uh, every week, with what I would say are in the top percentile 
of our most attractive patrons. Uh, we've got Aaron, we've got Al, Andy, Charlotte, John, Camille, Luke, Nick, Pangolin Sandwich. Her name's Kate. I'm married to her. And Richard, um, all of whom are, you know, supporting us directly and being brilliant. And, uh, and we thank you for it. And indeed, all of you for listening. Uh, and until next week, I think Ian's got a sofa to buy and I'm going to go and taste... Uh, Let's not talk about cannibalism again. <laughs> That's in the long version of the show. Uh, I think I'm, I'm probably, just, just going to go away. I, I would like to buy a sofa, but I'm, what's more likely is I'm going to go downstairs, turn on my OLED TV, and um, and watch something. I watched all of the Hunger Games the other night. I have absolutely no interest in that. Goodbye, everybody. 